I'm Mike Ward and welcome to Conversations in Healthcare, a video series brought to you by DRG, part of Clarivate. This episode is one of a number that we're recording alongside On Helix, a digital conference that is uh, hosted by One Nucleus. Uh, the overarching uh, theme of, of the meeting is transforming new medicine discovery. Uh, to do this effectively and sustainably, organizations need to have you know, confidence that the, that the approaches that they're, they're taking will deliver a return on investment. In light of this, I thought it might be useful for us to have a better understanding of epidemiology uh, and how that can help uh, companies across the whole healthcare continuum make better go, no-go decisions, <clears throat> whether it's early stage biotechs who are looking at resource trade-offs in their R&D pipeline or commercial companies uh, developing uh, tactical marketing plans or for those who are actually in charge of manufacturing to help them determine actually the number of units that they, they're going to need to make. So I'm delighted to be joined by my DRG colleague, uh, Mike Hughes, Mike is a senior director of epidemiology at DRG, and he manages a global team of epidemiologists who are supporting strategic decision making at both pharma and, and biotech companies. So, Mike, uh, I hope you and all those you care about are keeping well and safe. And thanks so much for, for, for joining me. Thank you. So, Mike, uh, <clears throat> as a pandemic has developed this year, epidemiology is, is one of those terms that actually has entered into sort of your common day speech. Um, so I just thought it might be helpful um, if you could sort of set the scene by um, first giving us a definition of what actually epidemiology is. Sure. Um, epidemiology is uh, the study of the risk distribution and determinants of disease in other healthcare states, um, but at a population level. So um, we're not interested in the disease as it occurs in an individual, but at a at a population level. Um, for uh, commercial entities like pharma companies, biotechs, and so on, um, the emphasis in epidemiology is on estimating the size of the eligible disease populations that they're interested in, uh, as well as some other specialist areas such as pharmacoepidemiology and pharmacovigilance or drug safety. Right, right. And, and as, as, as my understanding goes, that there are uh, essentially two approaches uh, for modelling um, the sort of epidemiology associated with uh, diseases. One focuses on, on prevalence and the other one on incidence. What are the sort of the, the, the key differences and challenges associated with you know, either approach? Okay, so... <clears throat> Incidence, uh, just to be clear, that's um, uh, new cases of a disease over a particular uh, period. Um, and uh, when we estimate incidence, uh, particularly when we're trying to size the eligible drug treatable population, for example, that's most useful for uh, acute conditions. Um, uh, whether where the disease does not enter some kind of chronic state. Um, prevalence, on the other hand, which is all those who are living with the disease or with the history of the disease, is obviously more relevant for chronic diseases um, like diabetes and so on that, that will last uh, potentially a lifetime. 
Right. Okay. So, <clears throat> so can you give us some sort of your know, example of the sort of you know, when either approach is most appropriate, or other in instances where, in fact, sort of both approaches um, are mm -hmm. uh, relevant. Yeah. So. Um... <clears throat> As you may have noticed, there's a pandemic <laughs> raging at the moment, um, and uh, it's a, it's a quite a acute disease, um, lasting maybe uh, one or two weeks, um, maximum, you know, a, a month or so. Um, there, we're much more interested in the incidence of the disease. That is, how many people develop the disease, uh, COVID-19, over a, a year, let's say, or a month. Um, but other, other diseases that we would use to model incidence are um, pneumonia, for example, um, as well as uh, acute events like uh, heart attacks, pulmonary embolism, um, and so on. Prevalence, uh, there we would uh, uh, use it for chronic diseases. So not just the ones that um, are often age associated like heart failure, and uh, diabetes, but also um, almost all uh, genetic disorders, um, because uh, the person will have those for the entire lifetime. Um, so if it's a drug that, for example, that uh, suppresses gene expression and you take a tablet a day, for example, then obviously prevalence is going to be much more um, interesting than the incidence of the disease. Right, right. Having said that, there are several diseases where both are, are relevant, particularly in cancer, where, for example, there may be both an acute phase or phases of the disease, such as newly recurrent cases or newly diagnosed cases, um, but also a, a chronic prevalent population where, for example, in breast cancer or uh, prostate cancer, they may be eligible for long-term drug treatment to reduce recurrence risk, for example. So the traditional biotech model um, is to get a drug candidate at least to a phase two proof of concept before they would um, license it out to a, to a major pharmaceutical company. So I was wondering what role does a good grasp of the epi uh, actually have in, say, for example, those partnering discussions? I mean, do you have sort of you know, any examples of you know, how you, you might have helped companies in, in, in this respect? Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> obviously epidemiology is fundamental there, um, particularly because uh, it's, it's often in a, a kind of virgin terrain where the, the existing drug therapies are just uh, palliative or not very effective. And it's fundamental because the, uh, the crucial uh, ingredient in any ROI calculation for a, for a new mole molecule or other treatment is how many patients will be treated with it and for how long. Um, any major pharmaceutical company will, will be doing those calculations themselves or at least want to see them, <clears throat> um, obviously. And we quite often do that kind of work both from both sides of the table to help uh, uh, a big farmer or other investment entity um, uh, assess a, the um, revenue potential of a, of a new molecule 
as well as helping smaller biotechs um, uh, in uh, getting those initial estimates of the size of the, the drug treatable population. And for disruptive technologies, that may be uh, a, it may be quite complex because the the drug itself, particularly if it's something that um, dramatically changes survival or reduces disease progression or what what not can actually change the epidemiology of the disease so there needs to be modeling there um, if we're helping um, uh, for regulatory work then the situation is slightly different because we don't we wouldn't everything has to be a bit more transparent um, and uh, um, we have to make sure that uh, the regulators can piece together every single um, bit of our of our calculation so they know where they can get the the study that we used and um, comb through it for any mistakes we made and so on sure because I guess <clears throat> that there are sort of you know sort of you multiple op uh, sort of options um, when actually sort of looking at how for example you know a disease uh, you know, patients uh, might change through, through through a treatment. So therefore, that you're having to make assumptions which uh, will be challenged. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and uh, obviously, the the challenges come can come from um, any direction. So the the main uh, uh, focus for us is. Um, to just the transparency um, because we'll we'll almost always have to make some kind of assumptions or bring different data sources together to get the the uh, uh, to hone in on the population of interest so um, you know that's that's inevitable the, the key thing is transparency in the methods and you know complete citation um, of all of the, the studies used as well as, if needed, a, a, a code review and of the um, case detection algorithm that we used if we were querying um, electronic health records, for example, or, or claims data set. Right, okay. So, uh, I mean, you, you sort of mentioned the regulators. I mean, sort of, you know, one of the, the places where biotech companies have, have the ability to transform themselves from sort of a research-based company into you know, a commercial entity uh, is in the orphan drug space. Yeah. Um, given that, I guess, that these are talking very, very rare diseases, mm. how challenging uh, is it to sort of develop a, a robust epi data set um, to both determine whether an indication actually, I guess, qualifies for orphan drug designation or actually, you know, supports having our limited R&D resources actually deployed uh, to support it? Um, so the orphan um, drug uh, space, whether it's for the FDA or the EMA, um, the epidemiology comes in there not just by sizing the eligible population per se, but also checking that it's below the relevant threshold. Um, they're slightly different between the FDA and the, uh, and the EMA. Um, given the fact that it's often for rare disease, that means that the uh, available epidemiological 
data, particularly uh, in the that's that's published um, in peer-reviewed studies um, or even conference abstracts, may either be um, uh, of poor quality, not giving us exactly what we want, um, or just in many cases just doesn't exist, um, at least in one place. So the challenges for us are, are dealing with that, that data paucity. Um, if, it's, uh, if it's a well-coded disease, um, by which I mean either an ICD code or a SNOMED code, which are used in particularly in electronic health records and are much, much more granular than ICD, then we can obviously do a, a custom study in um, our electronic health records data set, for example. Um, and then actually it's quite straightforward for us because we're familiar with what the thresholds are, we can do the study and so on. It becomes more difficult where for whatever reason, um, it's, it, we can't use um, uh, electronic health records, let's say, and we have to piece together the bits from the available literature. Then it can be the case of um, getting birth incidents from one study, survival for another, or prognosis from another study, um, and then bringing them together and stratifying by age and then applying to different countries and so on. So there can be different steps um, that, that, are, that are needed there um, to get exactly where we want to go. But obviously the, the, the key thing, again, I want to emphasize is just transparency when we're doing um, orphan drug applications um, and ideally if we're doing any custom studies to um, publish those out uh, as well or at least give a good description of where the data is coming from. Right. Uh, now <clears throat> I also mentioned um, that in my introduction that um, the go-no-go no go decision, uh, you know, particularly when sort of, you know, companies are looking to you know, so go from you know one phase to another, and, and, and are looking to sort of invest you know substantial amounts of money in sort of clinical development, etc. I just wondered, you know, um, <clears throat> again, you know, how you know Epi can be used or has been used to sort of facilitate uh, that that decision. You know, and particularly, say, for example, in the orphan the orphan space. What, what, um, what, what are the sort of specific challenges on, on that? So um, the, the epidemiology is going to be needed at every, um, right from the beginning through to post-launch. Um, but it may be used in different ways and it may be in different forms. So um, uh, bef before even phase one, I would say... Uh, it's important to have a good estimate. At that point, it doesn't need to be, you know, a very refined or, um, you know, robust uh, estimate of the drug treatable size. But you have, you obviously have to start there because if your if your drug candidate can only end up treating fifteen patients, then it's um, it's it's. It, that's a very different um, sales proposition, if you like, that you have to the, to make than if it's treating fifteen thousand patients. Um, although they both obviously be um, rare, considered rare conditions. 
By phase two, that's when um, stratification can often start. So there may be <clears throat> hints or suggestions of um, the drug being more effective in a particular subpopulation um, or subtype of the disease. Um, and that is actually a situation we're, we're dealing with now with a very rare form of um, a, uh, an inherited disorder where um, it's the, the drug may be more relevant in a particular subpopulation of, of that. Um, and that is at that kind of phase two, phase three um, interface uh, stage of development where things are starting to be refined, phase three is starting to be planned and so on. Um, so that's where I think the, the epidemiology comes in between the different, different phases. Um, and if it means that uh, the subpopulation is um, much smaller than you than initially thought or the disease population um, that doesn't look quite how you thought it was going to be based on your initial um, uh, kind of uh, decision to go to phase one, then obviously that can be an, a go no go decision um, because your your patient population may may look very different in terms of its size as well as clinical characteristics than than you originally thought. Right. And and then presumably for you know strategic or tactical marketing plans, uh, I guess Epi again can be used just in in, in terms of identifying you know, where you might want to launch your product at least first, or in which indications you want to, to launch your product? Uh, yeah, so certainly the epidemiology can help um, uh, rank, if you like, the potential indications where a drug um, that uh, may be, you know, that may be treating the, uh, the same um, uh, target, if you like, across multiple diseases. And we do get that quite often in cancer indications where um, the, the drug candidate um, may be eligible to treat five or six different tumors um, based on the um, expression of, the, of a particular um, drug biomarker. Um, and then the, 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 uh, the uh, decision may not be, oh, let's go for the the tumor with the most number of people um, who, who have the tumor because um, uh, you know that that space may already be very crowded um, and instead go for one where there is high unmet need either because the tumor is much more aggressive there's far more people progressing to um, later stages of disease which is obviously something we can we can help with um, or the the it's uh, it's not a it's not a crowded um, uh, space commercial space with loads of um, drug companies competing over the same patient population. I mean, there, I mean, there are plenty of examples of companies either underestimating or, or overestimating the, the, the potential of, of, of the drugs that, that, that they were developing. Um, Maybe that was because they didn't understand the uh, the epi well enough. Um, sort of, you know, sort of looking at the sort of uh, the companies that that, that you you've helped, um, it sounds like you know 
sometime. You, you mentioned how actually the various phases, you know, Epi Epi can can help. Do you know? Do companies always sort of turn up at the eleventh hour um, for, for, for 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 help? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to sort of get a sense of you know what is the sort of the, the what is the best time in that discovery development timeline for for people to you know start getting a really good grasp of of the epi of the diseases that they're, that they're focusing on. Yeah, so um, I, there are some companies that that turn up at the eleventh hour. They've got themselves tied in knots, not knowing what the next step is, um, having conflicting um, opinions or conflicting results in in the the evidence. So my advice is always don't start the eleventh hour. Start at you know bright and early six a.m. in the morning, Russian, rather than at the the last last minute. As I said, I think. Um, epidemiology should be with you the all the way through the the drug development and and post launch uh, as as well but at least at the beginning have some uh, it can be a range of estimates but um, have some estimates of of what the the patient population is that uh, the size of the population is that um, that uh, you're pursuing yeah, sure. So, uh, look, Mike, uh, this is this has been you know really really interesting. And as I say, you know, it's you know, epidemiology is one of those things that you know you hear on the on the the, sort of the government briefings every day. Um, and you know, it's one of those words that just look great on the, on, on the Scrabble board. Um, uh, so it, it's re- it, it's really good to sort of you know hear actually how how it can be uh, how it's useful in in, in those decisions. So. Uh, thanks very much for for taking the time to to speak to us today, and uh, and I'm sure there'll, there'll be lots in our audience who are going to uh, really benefit from 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 uh, hearing what you said. So, if after listening to this uh, broadcast you'd like to tune into future conversations in health, follow our LinkedIn page where we'll be posting alerts for future episodes. So, in closing, I'd like to thank Mike again for for, for joining us and. And thank you, the listeners, for, for tuning in. So stay safe and healthy. I'm Mike Ward, and I'll see you in the next episode.